Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef, equipping us to grow into a deeper walk with Christ. Part of Night Vision each weeknight. Details at vision.org.au. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective. 2020 on Vision. Wonderful to have you along with us on this Thursday edition of 2020, a special edition as we're right in the middle of the controversies that are growing now and may well overflow, boiling over in the United States of America. So today, very importantly, Christian commentary on what's happening with the US presidential election. It is on a knife's edge. And a rare opportunity, I don't think you'll hear it anywhere else, the sort of Christian commentary you're hearing today on 2020, about this battle between Donald Trump and Joe Biden for the US presidency. Every thinking Australian is interested in who will hold the position leader of the free world. The counting continues as both sides are claiming victory will be theirs. The final election results won't get certified for days or even weeks, so it usually falls to US media organisations to predict or project the winner in each state much sooner. Election officials say final results won't be known until at least this coming Friday, and that'll be US time. All eyes today are on the state of Pennsylvania, where a decision to halt public reporting of the count sparked anger. The result remains in the balance amidst controversy where President Donald Trump claims that Democrats are scheming to dilute Republican votes in the state of Pennsylvania. He's threatened legal action in the Supreme Court with claims of electoral corruption. It is a nail-biting race. There are fears of violence on the streets and disruption to a smooth transition of power. Businesses are boarding up windows in preparation for storms of protesters. So how do we see these developments in the US through biblical Christian eyes? And a series of commentators joining us through this uh, this uh, commentary on the US election. Continuing on with us this hour, Dr. Camille Majdali from Teach All Nations, American-born, Citizen of Australia, speaking to us today from the UK. He has been following along these election results and the build-up to the election very carefully. And also joining us now, Bill Muhlenberg, Christian cultural commentator from Culture Watch and his insights, as you'll know, as a long-time guest on 2020, always so valuable. Uh, Bill Muhlenberg, a special welcome along to you. Great to be with you again. Uh, Bill, let's start with a update on where you see the state of play as the vote count continues in the United States. Uh, what, are your, what are your perceptions of what's going on? Well, of course, in one sense, all of us have been uh, on a roller coaster. Uh, one minute, we're all looking at a Trump victory. Uh, before that, everybody was predicting a blue wave. Uh, more recent swings, certainly Wisconsin, Michigan, have led us to question everything. So if I'm up in the air, I guess everybody is. But uh, the scoop seems to be this. We've got still three East Coast states all being led at the moment by Trump, which he would need to win, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Georgia, and then two iffy states in the West that uh, Trump is slightly trailing in, and he would need to win one of those, either Arizona or Nevada. So if he can do four out of those five, he's won. (laughs) But that's the big if, and as you already said, there's already 
at least three states with court challenges. Um, well, and of course, if Trump does better, it won't be certainly just Republicans pushing court challenges. The Democrats are ready to do plenty of their own challenges. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, that's what has to happen. But what will happen? That's a big question. And as you say, it'll probably drag out for weeks. I wonder if we might be able to bring into the conversation some really Christian observations here. And uh, and I wonder if I come to you, Dr. Camille Magdaly, the idea that we even have democracies in the world, uh, that the people, in fact, have a, a choice in who they might cast a vote for. I mean, these sorts of things, we can argue, can come back to a biblical foundation. Uh, and the idea of the people having some level of empowerment, even coming back to the Ten Commandments, uh, where, in fact, you know, thou shalt not covet, means that, you know, you don't want to take your neighbor's possessions and your neighbor doesn't take your possessions. There's an idea of a, an autonomy of individualism, and yet we've got this opportunity to be able to direct who our leaders might be. I wonder if you've got any thoughts here, Camille. When we talk about where is God in all of this, one of those things we might celebrate is the fact that there is a choice of leader and we don't necessarily have tyranny over us in the West. Any thoughts here? Oh, I have a lot of thoughts and no time to say them all. Yes, the democratic system enjoyed by Australia, the United States, and elsewhere is is a wonder. It's a great thing. It has to do with what is called self-government, and part of the genius of the American experiment, which of course preceded the Australian Federation and all, is the balance of power, the separation of powers, and so on. Nobody accumulating too much power. That's important. But also there was an interesting quote from our second president. I'm a dual American-Australian, John Adams, and he talked about our system of government was for a moral or religious people. It's only designed for a moral religious people, and it's unsuitable for anything else. Now, that is a head-scratcher right there. America has a heritage of fear of God, influenced by biblical Christianity. Not mean everyone was a Christian, but it was just part of the DNA. As we've had 50 years of culture war and incursions by cultural Marxists, secular humanists, postmodernists, and socialists, and so on, of course that's been eroded, and it's leading us to some of the unsavory outcomes we have today of tension, of violence, and so on. It is a wonderful gift, but it is, and I do think John Adams was very close to the mark, it is for a moral people, a responsible people, not a hedonistic people. And if we depart from that, of course we're going to have problems. The other thing is that because the system really needs a renovation, I don't mean a revolution, but a renovation, sometimes the choices we've had to make in elections has not been all that wonderful. It's a choice between sometimes one disaster and another. We do need to come back to biblical faith and practice if we're going to see great outcomes in our society. Powerful thoughts. Bill Muhlenberg, the idea of balance of power, separation of powers, the idea that nobody accumulates too much power on one side 
democracy doesn't necessarily work for atheists, as uh, Camille Majdali says, uh, but we might even conclude that atheism ultimately leads to tyranny. So uh, we have this blessing of democracy in Western nations, but as we reflect on Bible scripture, uh, background here, uh, Old Testament, New Testament, uh, how do you see things unfolding right now? Is there wisdom that we can glean from the Bible? Well, certainly is. Um, and if anything, uh, while all of Scripture gives us principles to run with, uh, I think too often Christians may ignore the Old Testament, which in some ways spoke perhaps even more to issues of governance, the nations, rulers, and so on. Certainly we get that in the New as well, but uh, a lot of the key principles we find in the Old Testament we tend to ignore as believers today, so it's always good to keep those in mind. Uh, one you already mentioned, the division of powers or separation of powers, that was certainly the case. We think of you know ancient Israel as some hardcore theocracy. Well, yes and no. Um, sure, God was the ultimate ruler, but he had priests uh, and prophets to keep kings in check. The king was not uh, absolute. If he overstepped the mark, if he started disobeying God, uh, God, well, we all know, you know, Nathan challenging David, God would raise up the priest and the prophet to uh, keep the king in line. So there already we see this principle of the division of powers, checks and balances, uh, certainly part of the wisdom we enjoy in so much of the West today. So that would be one key area. There would be others as well, but uh, especially in times when it looks like our side is losing, (laughs) a lot of lessons can be drawn from the Old Testament there as well. Uh, Perry Atkinson mentioned before the news that the immediate legal battles in the United States over the election will be happening in the states. Now, there's 50 states. And eventually, what is not resolved will come to the U.S. Supreme Court. And that's where Donald Trump has had that focus overnight about corruption in the ballots uh, in the state uh, of... uh, in uh, Well, in a number of states, I think, that he is actually uh, concerned about. Uh, let me ask you about the rule of law here. And this connects with this idea that democracy doesn't necessarily work for atheists. Uh, Camille Majdali, when we talk about the rule of law and there's this understanding we might have about the way that God is transcendent and so that's why the rule of law works for Christians because there's a higher rule of truth uh, that we can be able to apply. But when you've got the Supreme Court in the United States and we've talked about the idea of a politicization of the Supreme Court, uh, the idea that it might even be now, in fact, dominated by Christians. The other side would be dominated by atheists. How do you think things might play out if things get to the Supreme Court level and uh, and the people of America, divided as they are, will see it one side dominated by Christians and not by atheists, and atheists might feel as though uh, they're hard done by? Uh, I hope that's making sense. Any thoughts here? Well, I I think I understood what you said, Neil, but I will give you some thoughts. With the quote of John Adams I gave earlier, there is what we must never get our eyes off of, and that is the God factor. When you have the fear of God in a representative government, it will actually deliver you from many, many, many things. Atheists do fine in a... uh, 
or can do fine in a government that still has in God we trust. Even in the disputed election 20 years ago with Al Gore and George W. Bush, Gore took six weeks to concede, but then he invoked something I thought was very interesting, a quote from the Harvard Law School Library that says, not under men, but under God and law. Now, both Bush and Gore are professing Christians, but it's more than that. It's the fact that Gore was acknowledging that there is a higher power than themselves, human power. If we recognize that, then we are in good shape and we will uh, we'll do fine, especially if people are praying. Now, I know Bill wants to get on the Old Testament possibly, but can I just say, I've just finished doing the book of Judges, verse by verse for radio, and I'm very f- full of judges at the moment. Every time the Israelites woke up to their sin, lived with oppressors, and called on the Lord, he delivered them. Now, sometimes they had to pray more than once, or God would say, well, you go to your false gods. But if they persisted, he heard them. So if he heard the Israelites in their pre-born-again state back then in the Old Testament, how much more do you believe God would answer the prayers of believers throughout the world for this nation, the United States, and for this election? Bill Muhlenberg, let me come to these issues around what we might understand uh, worst-case scenarios here. And uh, if we assume worst-case scenario for the Christian voter might be that uh, that the Christian-aligned Trump Republicans lose the election and the Democrats take control. And uh, there is, uh, I think you've got a terminology that you like to use, judicial abandonment. Uh, how do we understand those sorts of issues in worst-case scenarios that might happen that might cause the whole of America to descend into some levels of tension and violence? Well, three quick answers could be given. One, just the political. If uh, Biden wins the White House, of course, the status quo remains with Congress. It looks like uh, at best one seat in the Senate was picked up by the Dems, so they're still in the minority. And about seven Republican House of Reps seats were gained, although they're still in the minority. So even with the Biden White House, we do have some checks and balances, certainly with the Republican-led Senate. And with these recent appointments in the Supreme Court, you know, it's not the end of the world. So that's one quick political observation, a bigger picture item I've been saying a lot lately. If you know your scripture and your history, uh, well, that helps hugely, you know, you look at a, an election or a recent upset or a bad bill that was passed or whatever the current state of play is, you, you take the bigger picture and you see things come and go. You win some, you lose some. Elections will go your way one year. Next year, they won't. So that's uh, always important to keep the long-term perspective in mind, which both history and scripture give us. And then the third thing, to deal with your point of judicial abandonment, I have been writing on that uh, a fair amount lately, Um, and it's not that I'm just stuck in the Old Testament. Uh, I was just in uh, Romans 8 today, enjoying the wonderful words about, you know, what will separate us from the love of God? Nothing will. So that always has to be our perspective. 
But I do, like Camille, have, you know, zillions of friends all over, certainly online, social media. And I know many are uh, getting quite discouraged, quite depressed, at least with the uh, recent uh, political uh, elections we've had, right? We had New Zealand, we had the ACT, we had Queensland. I, I sadly suspect if Victoria had an election today, Dan Andrews would still get in, despite all the stuff he's uh, brought upon us. So uh, in that sense, it's looking bleak. And if, of course, Biden gets in, that's what, five election losses in a row. And I know a lot of people are quite concerned. I get them coming to me all the time saying, Bill, this is so depressing. I'm so bummed out. So obviously we keep the Christian perspective in mind. We believe God is on the throne. He does not change. Nothing catches him by surprise. We keep praying. We keep hoping for both revival and reformation. But yeah, there is this truth, which, by the way, is a New Testament truth as well, uh, of divine abandonment or judicial abandonment. Romans 1 is your classic passage. Three times there it says God gave them up. God gave them over. Uh, we see, well, judges, as your Camille just mentioned, you know, people doing well, prospering, life goes well. Uh, and so often happens, you forget God. You uh, turn to sin and self, you get into all kinds of strife, and then you do it all over again. You call out to God for deliverance, for a rescuer. He does come in response to those prayers, and then the cycle repeats. So we have the same thing here. Um, a lot of Christians are saying, how can God judge the West? It seems like he's judging New Zealand, Australia, America. Well, he, he does judge every nation. But the idea that people will say, yeah, but there's so many Christians here praying. Well, yeah, um, sure, uh, Israel. They were God's people. Uh, and yet we read in Ezekiel, right, of the glory of God, departing from the temple, departing from Jerusalem. And we read about 70 years of exile. Were there godly, good uh, Jews during the time? Of course, so Daniel and his three friends, the prophets. So, you know, some of them went into exile as well in Babylon. So that can happen. Am I saying that's what's happening now in the West? I don't know. I'm simply saying uh, God has done it in the past and is part of his work with the nations. If he has to do it again to get our attention, to serve his purposes, well, he may, but Again, that's not the end of the story. Seventy years in Babylon came to an end, and God brought the faithful Jews back home. Uh, what the future remains for Australia and America, we don't know. But we do know the God who's in charge, so we have to keep that perspective, even if it does look a bit grim and bleak at the moment. Let me reflect a thought or two from listeners to our conversation today and responding on Facebook, where we have a question that I'm asking for listeners to respond to, and uh, uh, we're, uh, we're talking about... Um, uh, the question, where is I got my question? I've just lost my question for a moment. I'm sure it'll come up in just a second. I'll just meet some of the thoughts from listeners. Sue says, God determines a country's leadership, whether we like it or not. Just keep trusting the Lord. He knows what he's doing, even when we don't. Uh, Camille, your thoughts for a question like that from Sue, or a comment like that from Sue, it almost sounds a little bit like, K hey, Sarah, Sarah, what will be, will be. And I wonder whether uh, take it as it comes or have some influence over how that might happen. Any thoughts for Sue? 
Well, the Sue might also be referring to Romans 13 about there's no one in authority outside of God. That also is a possibility. The, the thing that I bear in mind is officially and technically we actually have a say of who's going to be our ruler. We're not lumbered with some Caesar who we never put into power. We do have that uh, ability to influence our society with who rules over us. But if we don't do it right, and, and see, one of the issues in the United States, voting is voluntary. It's not compulsory like in Australia. And it is actually astounding how many Christians don't even vote in the United States, millions of them, in some cases not even registered. So, yes, we at the end of the day, we will bow to the will of God, whatever happens happens. I just think in regard to this particular election, we're dealing with some very unusual factors, especially Donald Trump. This guy is a fighter, a street fighter in a suit, so we better not underestimate him, but I can't say the final outcome. All I know is we will trust God no matter what, even if it doesn't make sense, but we also can vote in heaven. And I'm saying that's what people have been doing, both Americans and non-Americans. So let's let our voice be heard on high, and I believe God will turn things around. Uh, I did find my Facebook question, and sorry I uh, missed that in my notes, but the Facebook question that listeners can respond to today, and you might like to interact with other listeners to the conversation, take things a little deeper even uh, in your own uh, concerns and uh, and standing by or answering or questioning others who are contributing to that Facebook post today. The question asks, do you think the votes of Christians will influence the outcome of the US presidential election. Uh, Bernard responded to that, and I'll get your thoughts, uh, Bill Muhlenberg. He says, why mix religion and politics? It's rife with Eastern cultures and with the rise of Islam. It will become a dangerous mix. So please leave religion out of politics. Uh, it's uh, true, isn't it, that where religion and politics mix, sometimes it has a flashpoint and there are all sorts of things that can happen. But what are your thoughts for someone like Bernard who would say, don't mix religion and politics? Well, the short answer is that's simply impossible since everybody at heart is religious one way or another. Uh, even the U.S. Supreme Court back in 62 declared that secular humanism was a religion. So everybody has a, a religious take on things, if you will, a set of ultimate presuppositions about how to look at life, how to look at the world. So the idea you can separate your values, your, uh, your big picture views of life from how you do politics is simply impossible. Of course, what the U.S. founding fathers talked about was something quite different that had to do with church and state, specifically the U.S. government not establishing any one particular church as some official American religion. It was keeping the government hands off of uh, the churches that they had in mind. So certainly we have no sense of that with the Founding Fathers. We all bring to bear in all that we do, whether social, political, cultural, uh, we bring our worldview, our, our fundamental values and beliefs. So that cannot be helped. How that all translates into particular policies, what you do on 
say, religious freedom questions, right? If you want freedom for all, that means not just Christians, but Muslims, to some extent, get freedom in a democracy. That can be hard to juggle. But uh, those are different matters. But as such, religion is something that's part of everyone. And uh, you cannot keep it from uh, influencing how you think about life. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Our two special guests this hour, Dr. Camille Majdali from Teach All Nations and Bill Muhlenberg from Culture Watch. Uh, let me just touch on this with you quickly here, Camille. The idea that there is two sides at play in the U.S. election, and uh, we'll get some connection here because these two sides exist in Australia as well. Uh, you've got conservatism on one side, and we might even say there's a Trumpism, which is a brand of conservatism. And there's socialism on the other side, which is the Biden side. And these two exist in Australia as well. But I wonder whether you've got a thought or two on just how significant it is that these two sides have become very much distinctive in the election campaign. Uh, Camille, what are your thoughts? Oh, I don't even know where to begin, uh, Neil. But let me just say that, first of all, we better define our terms because conservatism doesn't always mean what we think it means. There's been an evolution where people who are meant to be conservative actually have adopted a lot of the left's agenda. They only may be conservative when it comes to the size of government or about capitalism, but when it comes to issues of morality and ethics, they're almost virtually no different to the other side. There is another way of describing such people, and it's an interesting term, civilizationalist, meaning they want to preserve Western civilization with its accomplishments, its freedoms, its human rights, its opportunities, and they are fighting to keep that. Now, not all of these people are believers, but they do honor or respect, at least, the Judeo-Christian foundations that have been so vital in the West that's where I see the Trump phenomena and others going, or things in Eastern Europe, where they're not tangoing to the EU because they said, we are Westerners, we are Christians, we want to say on how we run things uh, like any kind of d democracy would be. So that's an interesting term, civilizationalist as opposed to conservatives. In this particular election campaign, the differences between the two parties could not be more stark. The Democratic Party in the United States was at one time a very mainstream party, but it has drifted so far to the left that it's, it's astounding. And that's part of the reason we scratch our heads, because the Americans are not inclined in that direction. So how is it that they're voting for a party that has gone in that direction. There, there's something missing here. But can I just say that if you understand the nature of conservatism, it's not just smaller government and capitalism. It's also the values and ethics found in the Bible. There are atheists out there who are you know, astute commentators, and they're actually fighting conservative values. They are so glad for Christianity, even though they are not believers, because they recognize that the culture they're living in has been greatly influenced by the teachings of the Bible. 
Bill Muhlenberg with our focus on the US and we haven't touched a lot on economic agendas and as Camille Magdaly says you've got an economic agenda and you've got a social agenda. Uh, the economic agenda, who'll create more jobs and there might be a big economic debate around that and uh, a lot of people will argue Donald Trump, some will argue Joe Biden. Uh, and then there's this social agenda and the social agendas on the left side of politics, on the socialist side of politics, do seem to be common amongst the left side all around the Western world. Any thoughts here as to how these things are unfolding here in Australia and what we're seeing on our shores and with our political parties? Well, both here and the US, we've really had a real turnaround over the past decades. Uh, in theory, both Labour here and Democrats there were for small, the small guy, you know, the worker. Uh, and in theory, the Republicans and the Libs were for the big guy, big government, big business, the rich. Uh, that was the at least the, the way each side presented or was presented as for quite a while. But in many ways, that's uh, really shifted around. Uh, now we think of both uh, the Democrats in the U.S. and Labour in Australia as being kind of the party of the trendy inner city, you know, latte sipping uh, progressives who uh, well, often don't know a whole lot about work and about labor. Often they're public servants with cushy taxpayer funded careers and the ones who are struggling, the battlers, the workers, the small business owners, those are the ones who are being helped, in fact, by now Republicans in the U.S. and uh, liberals in Australia. So there really has been a shift, and you see that even in, well, in the, the last few days in America with the Florida vote, for example. Uh, Trump won far more non-white voters this time around than he did four years ago. So a lot of people are seeing if you want wage growth, if you want jobs growth, if you want taxes down, <laughs> you better go with Republicans in America or with the Liberal Party in Australia. So that's been a major shift over the last half century or so. And Camille was right. What uh, former Democrats were once like, well, they wouldn't recognize their party today. And it's the same in many ways with labor. People of 40, 50 years ago would be shocked and much of what they see in today's Labour Party. Let's talk about the future of the free world for a moment because we talk about the US president, whoever that might be, as being the leader of the free world. Interesting, too, the terminology just using the words free world because Donald Trump has been a champion of religious freedom in the US and there are protections for religious freedom in the US, protections we don't have entirely here in Australia. Uh, Camille Magdaly, when we talk about the free world uh, and we talk about religious freedom, uh, the idea that Christians then are empowered when there is a religious freedom and some would like to shut that down. Any thoughts for uh, the issues around freedom as, uh, as, as we see the, uh, the count unfold in the US? Well, all throughout the Western world, in times gone by, we could be comforted at the fact that we had some legal protection of religious liberty, and not just religious liberty, freedom of speech as well, freedom of conscience, and so on. These freedoms have been under assault for a while, and I tell you, Bill is encyclopedic, I'm sure, on this issue, <laughs> because he blogs, I call Bill the amazing culture warrior, 
But uh, the thing is, they're under assault even when you have someone like Donald Trump because it's a democracy and the leader doesn't control everything. He's not omnipotent. He's not totalitarian. But, but yes, there's been a great reprieve under Trump in the United States from some of the things that have been encroaching on religious liberty. We know that Mr. Biden has actually come out and said, yes, religious liberty is important, however, but, and then illustrates that there are certain minorities that their, their rights are more important than religious freedom. So I suspect that the battle would continue, but like everything else, I think if the church understands where it is, it's, it's standing in the community, and if it will fight back early in the peace, then there's a much better chance to come to some accommodation. But if they say nothing, then it's going to be much harder down the road to fight for freedom. Let's come to the encyclopedic Bill Muhlenberg. Bill on freedom, and we've had lots of discussions about freedom too. Uh, the leader of the free world, uh, freedom, liberty, uh, those sorts of freedoms that are guaranteed in some sense in the US under their constitution. What are your fears for freedoms as they might relate even into our Australian context? Well, uh, we already know, both from what Biden and Harris said, should they be elected, uh, it will get much worse for freedom of all kinds, certainly religious freedom. They've made that clear, whether it's pushing the various radical sexual agendas, which always means the clamping down of religious conviction and belief, uh, that much is certain. And then, yeah, it will have an impact on Australia. I had one gal... Uh, bemoaning the other day, why do we hear so much about the American election? Uh, I had to remind her that for good or ill, uh, what does happen there is going to have an impact on what happens here. Uh, so we have to be aware as Christians of what's going on there because it's going to have a real impact on Australia and the rest of the globe. So, yeah, it's uh, uh, just yet another big reason why a Trump win would have been so important, and it may still happen. But uh, at the end of the day, as we say, we keep, keep Scripture and history in mind, and we try to take the big-picture view. While everything is political, uh, politics is not everything. At the end of the day, we fight the political battles, the cultural, moral, intellectual battles, but it really has to be the spiritual battles that have to be fought, and that's where we finally win or lose. And, well, we know the end game, we know the final result, but on the way there can be some losses. So we encourage all of your uh, listeners to uh, keep in the game. As Sue questioned earlier, if God is in control, well, yes, he is, but he's also given us responsibilities uh, that goes in tandem. So we have to keep God in the picture at all times, seek his face, and, uh, well, if Biden gets in, we just go on our faces before God and keep playing for mercy. If Trump gets in, that's still a good place, stay on your face before God and keep asking for his grace and mercy. So, uh, interesting times at the very least. The idea of prayer and intercession, the need for that does not diminish whoever wins. I can hear you saying that, Bill. 
let me just say, though, uh, a thought or two, because we're just coming to the end of our conversation now, and uh, and uh, people bracing themselves, uh, Christian believers, if there is a Biden victory, that there is likely to be a clampdown on Christian freedoms. Uh, and so more of an agenda that is, we might even describe, anti-Christian. And this idea of prayer, uh, intercession, of the expectation of revival. Let's come back to this idea and finish on a high note here. Uh, because, Camille, if things get tougher, the expectation should be that God is doing something significant and there is a role that we all play. Give us some insights here. Well, you know, there's an old cliche, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. We are not tough in and of ourselves, but we are in God. We are in a very interesting place in our world today. And I, I agree with Bill, no matter who gets in, we're going to have a lot of reasons to pray. Somehow I see the Lord calling us to that Psalm 91, secret place of the Most High, and abide under the shadow of his wing. He's inviting us. Better to go now in times of relative peace and safety rather than wait until some emergency or crisis erupts and then uh, be looking for your map and fumbling away. I, I do think God is calling all his people, come to that secret place and abide with me, pray, obey, Recover that wonderful, wonderful thing, doctrine called the fear of the Lord. You do that. You will always have the peace. You will always have the grace. You will always, how should we say, be full of faith because you're in proximity to the Almighty. You're dwelling under the shadow of his wing. So I do believe for revival. In fact, to me, revival is the only ultimate solution apart from the coming of Jesus and to do revival, we have to practice repentance and effectual, fervent prayer. So here's our opportunity to put both into practice. We do need to draw things to a close. Uh, let me just finish with the idea that uh, certainly both Dr. Camille Magdaly and Bill Muhlenberg are writing about the sorts of issues that we're talking about today and good for listeners to jot down an address that you can find some of their writing. And if I talk about uh, Dr. Camille Magdaly, who leads Teach All Nations, the website TAN for Teach All Nations, tan.org.au, you can subscribe to Camille's Issachar newsletter and uh, get regular updates with insights on these sorts of topics. Also, Bill Muhlenberg, who leads Culture Watch. You can find Bill Muhlenberg's latest articles and on issues just like the ones we've been talking about today at BillMuhlenberg.com. You can simply Google Culture Watch, one word, or go to BillMuhlenberg.com. Uh, to you, Camille, and to you, Bill, I want to say thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and sharing your hearts uh, with listeners today on 2020. And uh, we do have to wrap things up, and we are going to hear, actually, uh, our Faith in the Future program with Camille Magdaly in just a few moments, but that's uh, one that was pre-recorded earlier. But uh, to you, Camille, thank you so much for staying up late in the UK uh, to deliver us uh, some great thoughts today. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Neil. Thank you, Bill, and God bless Australia. 
And to Bill Muhlenberg, thank you so much for taking some time to participate in today's conversation. We'll catch up again tomorrow on some of the latest outcomes. Always a pleasure. Thanks. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 